0: Fueled by the outdoors, your source for hunting, fishing, archery, and all things outdoors. Brought to you by the Elite Outdoors. Well, one of the biggest things that I learned, especially with like cooking venison, because I don't know how you do your venison, like burgers or anything like that. I very rarely, like when I process my stuff, I don't add extra fat to it. No, like, I don't like yeah. I, I, no. I, I will use, um, I'll use butter in a pan mm-hmm. as a fat. I'll use oil. I, I will add beef tallow or something yeah, like that Sure. <clears throat> as I'm doing it, but I won't, I won't add it actually into the actual meat. And the one thing that people always say is like, it's just not as juicy. It's like. Like,
1: it, it, of course it's not. It, it's not really? like like it's it running wild out <laughs> in the woods. Yeah. <laughs>
0: there's there's literally uh, no fat on these things, right? And uh, like even even like, when they have had it. rendered deer fat, it ain't good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's it's not something you want to mix in with with your meat on a regular basis. So like when I when I cook a burger, I will put you know I will let it sit for a while afterwards just to let everything redistribute, yeah. and you know like like you said. You know, add that little bit of butter, yeah. like in oh, in yeah. the pan, just to just to kind of give it just a little bit extra, because right. it lets all the di- the um the juices redistribute yeah. throughout it as well, which is that's part Probably of being wouldn't key. be
1: Terrible either to run that <clears throat> run some cold butter through the grinder with that meat. Oh man, that's a good idea. That's
2: an amazing idea.
1: Because then you're gonna mix it in with it, and it's gonna it's gonna evaporate. Obviously, the water is gonna mm-hmm. evaporate within the butter, but. And then, uh, you know, obviously we all like, don't overcook it.
0: No. Because
1: there's no, there's no recovering, whatever, no whatever, going back. whatever lean protein it is, like chicken breast, turkey breast, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. venison, pork loin, when it's over, it's done. It's done. And,
2: and I will add, I think, so I hear people using the term gamey and I kind of get that with certain things like with a a rabbit, squirrel, stuff like that with deer. I've had deer from all over the place and never experienced gaming. I have experienced tough, but the only thing, uh, and, and I, I guess I should, uh, define what I'm talking about here. Please um,
0: do. Cause, cause when I, when I think of gaming, I think it's something different because there's, um, <clears throat> there, there's actually a distinct line, at least from everything that I've read, listened to when you're in Europe or something like that. gaming means something completely different wow. there versus than it means here. And there's a certain sense that people like meat more like that. You know, if, if, I, if I say I'm boar, especially. Mm. If you order boar over in Europe, they like that just that
1: strong that
0: strong taste. Yeah, okay.
1: you know, Europeans typically like yeah. more stronger. Yeah. More pungent cheeses. More pungent everything and cheeses, everything yeah, like that.
2: So, so with what I've experienced with venison, um, I hear people talk about getting gamey super strong venison so one thing is trimming it up uh there's a lot of silver skin yeah well i'll be honest i i don't trim that off when if if we're talking about the same thing anyways and i think some people might have different definitions Mm -hmm. of what silver skin is but that said um i even mixed some of the fat in with the burger but i also don't do burgers i do uh, chili and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So um, but with the gamey thing, I think a lot of that comes from uh, people who like a medium well or a well done steak mm-hmm. or burger. And when you cook venison all the way through, it is horrendous. Yeah, oh, yeah I'm it sure. is it's awful. Tough, it is strong. It, that is what I would call a gamey taste. When I cook it and it's pink or red in the middle, it, I don't care if you killed the thing in Alaska or Mexico or wherever. It's pretty. I mean, you're going to get different variations of taste depending on their food, of course. Right. But it's damn delicious. I think mm-hmm. people
1: confuse different with game yeah, yeah. I I agree. They, cause I pe- agree. people grow up with, like, it's no different than they, people grow up like with a, a McDonald's <laughs> cheeseburger and then have a fresh ground prime beef and have them, mm-hmm. like, well, that tastes different. Yeah, it tastes better. Yeah. It's higher quality. Yes. But then, if you go from a corn-fed steak to a grass-fed steak, mm-hmm. some people are going to say that tastes gamey. Right. Or no, it's different.
2: It's it just tastes different. more
1: like the beef should taste. Yep. So it's probably that would be my that would be my presumption with people is like maybe it's just different.
0: Absolutely.
3: Well, and then the one the easiest way to ruin venison is overcooking it. Mm-hmm. And oh. the easiest way to accomplish that is by pulling it out of your freezer, letting it thaw in the fridge or whatever, and then throwing it right on the grill. If you don't Ugh. get it out a oh, little bit beforehand, man. let that middle get to the, be the same starting temperature as mm-hmm. the outside. You're always yes. going to end up with a super rare inside and a burnt outside trying to get that inside cooked to the whatever temperature that you it, Whatever
1: want. it so. is, that's a great point. Like, whatever it is, like, pull pull it out and let it sit on the counter and come up to as yeah. close to room temperature as you can. Exactly. It's going to cook more even end to end and it's going to cook, it's going to cook quicker also. Yeah, but it I, just, yeah. And don't try
3: to cook too thick of a, a no. venison steak because right. you can't
1: cook it longer on high heat. Without
0: no. I mean, unless you're going to like do like sous vide or something like that. That would
1: be, that's probably a, a great, probably be a great way to cook a piece of venison. And think about it like under vacuum. Um, oh man, it's, and why have you done it? Oh, I, I I have a I have oh, no, a CV, yeah. So that's yeah. probably a great way to cook it because you can control. You make sure that the temperature is perfect. Then all you have to do is kiss it in a cast iron pan or on the grill, and then let it rest and slice it. But,
0: it, it 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 it's. I wish I used mine more. I, yeah. I cooked I cooked a a couple of loins the other night for my parents. that came over, and I'm, I told them like, "This is going to be the most tender venison you've ever had in your entire life." Right. And you cook it. Under vacuum, you throw you throw everything. This is this is a plug for anybody who really wants one, a, a, you know, buy a sous vide machine. Yeah. I love them. Um, you cook it under vacuum, and then you just throw it in the cast iron. Well, you pat it dry first, obviously. Right. Make sure you do that. But then add your stuff into the the cast iron that you want, and then sear it, and it let it rest. It will be one of the better steaks you've had in. Quite sometimes. And
1: you don't have to babysit it. And you don't have to babysit it. You set the it. temperature, you put it in there, and you do whatever else you got to do. Get and, the rest of dinner ready, whatever it is, go about, do your task, whatever you want to do. Exactly. You come back and it's perfect end to end. And you're not going to waste any of the ends. You're not going to have a well done piece on the end and a exactly. medium rare piece in the center. Because even if you let it sit out at room temperature and put it on a grill, it's not going to be perfectly.
3: Mm-hmm. It's
1: not going to be perfect from end to end. But if you sous vide, you can get it. Pretty damn you get, close. You get so close. Pretty, pretty, pretty damn close.
0: I, I, I've got, um, which one is it? The Innova. Yeah. And, and like, just set it to 135. Mm-hmm. It, it hits that. Seer, and it'll never go above that. It'll never go above Even that. Even if
1: you go do whatever, you're gone for three hours. Yep. It's never going to go above that temperature.
0: Well, and, and one of the beauties also, kind of moving into another thing that we were talking about was, um, I will actually use my sous vide machine now to can stuff. Oh, nice. Um you can set it to one forty five. I made I wanna say pick I made a pickled asparagus mm-hmm. last year as a Christmas present for a bunch of people in my family as a Bloody Mary starter kit. And you you get the asparagus, you make your brine, and then you put everything in, you know, after the baths at one forty five, you let it sit for two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything. And when you're canning stuff, it, or pickling stuff just in general, like you make the brine, and then you have to, you know, if you want to hold it for long times, you got to can it, and that's that's a huge freaking mess. Oh yeah, like it, it it's everywhere all over your all over your stove, and this is so much so much easier. But
1: yeah, that's a great that's a great use for that. Yeah,
0: I, I mean pickling, like your your restaurant is called Pickles and mm-hmm. Bones. What what are your suggestions on that kind of stuff? Because this is something that I found. A lot of people are getting back into, mm-hmm. and and maybe it's just kind of my small myopic view of stuff. But a lot of people that I know are getting back into canning and pickling and that kind of stuff because yep. you have gardens, you have this kind of stuff, or you'll go to the store and be like, "I can, there's you know, asparagus on sale for a buck ninety nine, uh, you know, a bushel or yeah. strawberries know, or dollar a s- quart, jam yeah, exactly. It's and, what we do, I mean that 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 that's something that a lot of people do like. What what are some of your thoughts or feelings about that? You know, just pickling and that kind of stuff, or like ideas that you yeah, have. Yeah, so like for our, so for,
1: for our pickles, they're they're a fresh pickle because we go through so many of them. If we jar them, so a quick jarred, pickle. It's yeah, it's relative. I mean, we we slice them, we salt them, red onions, sweet onions, jalapenos. Oh, man. That then, sounds wonderful. And then it's like a bread and <laughs> it to go. it's like a bread and butter brine, mm-hmm. uh, but then it also has jalapenos in it, so it's like okay spicy. And then into Cambros, and then we let them cool down. But we go through them like we go through gallons in a day. Okay. But again, you order we still, like a Pepsi there. We still and they make them pickles. Yeah, we put them on the side with everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, as far as like canning at home, um, uh, my wife just went up and, and just put up a bunch of strawberries. We just got some strawberries from local food connection okay. out of Kentucky, and we had strawberry shortcake last week. How did you make it to Kentucky?
0: No, we're open. We're open for business.
2: Oh, okay, so people can come. Okay, yes, I, people people are allowed
0: to cross
1: the bridge. They shipped it to us. We got it. To, they got it to us. I just I know for fourteen days. I live across. Like the we're river. moving strawberries, like, like hair, moving strawberries, they fell like, off the like heroin, of a truck. Heroin, from, heroin from Kentucky to Ohio. But, uh, oh, like I think the bit, I, It sounds weird, but I think that the best way to learn and to do that stuff is like to go to previous generations and learn about it because like i don't know shit about doing it
2: mm-hmm. i
1: can re- i can i can go on youtube and that's fine and i can read books and i've bought different books and stuff like that um i personally i don't have any time to do anything like that if yeah. i had an awesome garden and i had a bunch of stuff the biggest thing with that is it's no different than anything else It's like you have to have the best ingredients at mm-hmm. the time because i like right now we were getting those strawberries from kentucky so you know nicole went up to Took you know twenty pounds of them up to Wapakoneta. and with her, with my mother-in-law and and father-in-law, they they made a bunch of jam and put it up. So we've got jars of jam in the freezer that we're gonna hopefully start selling here at some point soon. Oh, nice. So that's part of our plan moving forward is to incorporate some of that stuff into our like a small retail case out front with some jams and jellies and like our pimento cheese and stuff like that. I want to talk to you about that here in a second, (laughs) but just some stuff like that because I think with all of this crazy shit that's been going on is like, people are also kind of going back to like, Oh, maybe we should continue to support the local businesses. Mm -hmm. Maybe if I can get a jar of jelly from them and it's $2 more, but it's such higher quality, it's way better, fresher. Yeah. So I think, but, but you have to have the best ingredients. If not, then you're going to have, again, a year from now, when you pull those pickles out, if you don't have good cucumbers, when you start,
0: so it's I'd good to say like garbage.
1: Yeah. Try whatever it is. Try it. Cut off a slice of cucumber because you will end up with one out of a, out of 24 that maybe don't taste that great. Mm-hmm. Discard it. Cause it's going to make everything else taste bad. Same thing with the strawberries. You want to go through and make sure that they're good. You want to make sure the blueberries are good. If we're getting blueberries from Michigan or whatever it is, like just check the stuff out. But when you've got tomatoes coming out, like your options are give them away to everybody, which mm-hmm. we end up doing a lot in the summer. Cause we've got a tomato, I call him our tomato dealer that brings us tomatoes <laughs> all the time. And we end up putting baskets out front because he can produce so many of them. Like mm-hmm. we don't want them to go bad. You can only sure. use, so we do BLTs usually in the summer, mm. but there's such a small window. Like I don't want to eat a BLT in May. It's garbage. <laughs> you know, it, it's just, it's not right. the same as a BLT in August. Okay? No. Like it's just not the same. So July and August. Yeah. It's just the same thing as with, when you're putting that stuff up or you're canning, make sure that you have the best stuff. It's in the peak of the season. And I think like, look, look to the past generation. Like, Hey, what did you guys do for, how'd you guys put this? Like, I know my mom knows Mm -hmm. how to do it. I know my mom can do it. My mother and father-in-law are amazing. They save seeds. My father-in-law has the best garden I've ever seen in my entire life. Like we, you know, we found this German Johnson tomato that we really liked down at farmer's market in Asheville. The next year, my mother-in-law grew it. And we're like, what, where'd that come from? She's like, Oh, it saved the seeds.
0: Save the seeds from the tomato that you gave us. So it's an
2: heirloom then, huh? Mm -hmm. I like that. My, uh, Yeah. My 88-year-old grandmother taught me how to can. We yeah. put up green beans and right. salsas and all kind. Of, we do a little bit of pickles, but yeah. um, they don't seem to. So if, if they get to a certain point, they don't. The quality isn't there. Yeah. Uh, a couple months down the road is about all we have with that. But um, I, I do agree, though. Uh, and for those that have not had good, fresh, Actual canned jams and jelly. Try it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's and night and day.
0: Like one of my Christmas presents last year was the ball. I mean, I guess it's called the ball canning Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah. it's, it's yeah. everything like, I, I feel like there's like I've a, f- there's a few books that you need to have like cookbook wise in your kitchen and, and that's one of them. But yep. one of the things that I grew up with was my mom making strawberry jam every summer mm. right. and you know, they've real they've got a really good garden now. They've got a, they built a greenhouse in their backyard. So they, they built, they built it, I think five, six years ago and they are now like producing like two to three hundred tomato plants or something like that um, that's impressive yeah. Huh? yeah so like they they a hundred mm-hmm. uh, my mom makes um, spaghetti sauce salsa yeah, yeah, yeah. all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff they gave plants to us they gave plants to my sister-in-law and my brother and all the all this different kind of stuff and you know I I don't know anything about this kind of stuff but the past couple of years I've been like I want to learn how to do this so yeah. I asked them, like hey mom what do you do here you go. Pretty simple. It's and, and, it's, real and simple. It's, it's really not hard. Yeah. Like it, it, it's something it's just time, which mm-hmm. we talked about before is like if you want something good, it's going to take time. time. Yeah. And that, that's that's the biggest aspect of a lot of this kind of stuff with cooking, with canning, with hunting, fishing, yep. any of that kind of stuff is time yep. and it, knowing what your time limits are and where they right. start to begin to expire yep. at. I yeah, agree. Hundred percent agree.
2: So let's kind of dive into some firewood here. Uh, what woods do you cook with, and how? In the living hell, do you stay stocked with firewood?
1: So we've got a we got a wood guy. A wood, okay, we got a wood guy. I got a wood guy. Got a wood guy, and he actually sells firewood to other people at whatever. And uh, but he, uh, when we were in the trailer, actually way back in two thousand fifteen, stopped one time and was like, "Hey, you guys need wood." it just happened to work out that awesome dude and I call him up and he brings us a dump truck basically a dump truck full of wood and drops it off our back nice. so when we started off we use maple because it's everywhere that sure. was, that was good when I came out of our backyard burns and was pretty like, hot yeah, too it burns the thing about that is it burns hot but it burns really quick too. it does it burns yeah. up fast because it's light it's um,
2: easier for me to control the temp with maple than Oak yeah. so far
1: and right now we use right now we use mostly red oak and white oak Okay. And it's just kind of a, um, we kind of transitioned over. I mean, we still use some maple now and then too, um, but we just kind of transitioned over to what was more readily available. Sure. So it's kind of like, you know, in, in Texas, they use post oak because that's what's down there. Like down South, they use pecan wood because that's what's down there. Yeah. You know, we use red oak and white oak and maple because that's what's here.
2: Okay. That makes sense. So with that said, working with fire, how often do you get burnt and what are some of the things that you've had happen? Maybe some different injuries or something along those lines.
1: I'd say most of the time getting burnt comes from working in the kitchen versus working with the smoker. Okay. Um, Unless you set a fire in the smoker, (laughs) a fire in a spot that you don't want. A fire gets out of the firebox or whatever it is. Like log falls out. or you, some people don't clean the, clean the inside of the smoker enough and it ends up catching on fire or something like that. But most of the burns come from being in the kitchen and most of them are preventable and are likely from some stupid action, like grabbing a hot pan with your bare hand instead of a rag. So I try to teach the cooks now, like always oh, like I try to grab everything with a towel, no matter what.
2: Just yeah. That's that, a good, yeah.
1: Just assume that in a professional kitchen, especially just assume that it's hot yep. and with worst case scenario, it's cold and you use a towel in a cold pan. It's fine. But for the first time I used, it, I just did it two weeks ago. I grabbed a pan out of the oven, uh, pot right down all my hand with with the handle right out. I was out of the oven like, wow, that was a really stupid thing to do. Like, <laughs> I put
2: the, I, I tried to smoke some baked beans the first time I did it. picked the damn pan up, bare oh
0: hand my god! I'm like,
1: oh. Ah! Yeah. We
0: have a running joke in my home is like, I'll, I always like straight out of the oven. Like I'll put something in, you know, I'll touch it, burn my hand. Yeah. Something in to try to taste it, burn your my tongue. tongue. Yeah, then you're yep. done. And you can't then taste anything done. after that. <laughs>
1: yep, 18 hours of smoking, and then you took you, you cut a little bite off the end, you burned your tongue, and you let all the juice out of the, of the piece of meat that you just smoked. Yeah, yeah, it's a professional cooks do stupid shit, too.
2: Oh, sure, I, I'm sure. It's you, never you, ending.
1: You cut yourself much, not as much. Uh, m- most of the injury, most of the cuts come with people uh cutting pickles on mandolin so I would I'd advise anybody look in a professional kitchen. If you use one of the, um, plastic guards that goes on there, like the safety guards, we're going to laugh at you. It's just It's just what happens. <laughs> Technically we probably shouldn't. Technically we should probably say try to be safe, but like at your house when you're not used to working with that, right. you're going to, here's what I would say. Don't buy a mandolin. Okay? It's a death. Trap. I literally you're put mine in your- the basement the other <laughs> day cause you're I gonna cut yourself. And a couple a month ago, we bought two months ago, we bought a new food processor and don't use it very often. Um, it had a blade on it the stupidest design I've ever seen. The blade for slicing, you could flip it on both sides. It had a blade on either side. So this side, you put it in this side, it sliced quarter inch thick. You flipped it over, sliced eight inch thick, eighth inch thick. Mm. So either way, first thing I did is sit on the counter and reach down and just put my finger right through uh, the end of the blade about one minute before we are getting ready to open like uh, so it's that's the most of the stuff that happens on doing something stupid sure like oh shit i shouldn't have done that oh i shouldn't have grabbed that mm-hmm. like it's it's usually not like the big i i know a guy i saw a guy one time drop a aluminum foil off the counter and try to grab it and take aluminum take foil the world, right between right his hands. thumb and his forefinger if it's fallen, don't touch it, whatever it is. hot, cold, sharp, just try and get out of it. That's the biggest is like if it falls up, just let it go because like, as soon as you try and grab it, there's nothing good that can come from trying to grab a falling knife. That's like one of culinary school 101, one on <laughs> and like it'll still happen like now I say that, and I'll knock a knife and I'll try to catch it because I'm an idiot, but th- that's usually like where the where they come or like or like the the newer guys or newer girls or be they're not used to the heat in general, Mm -hmm. like you're flipping a burger, uh, a burger bun over and it splashes the lard and it gets on your arm. Like to me, I did not just, you just get used to it. It's no different than working in a hot kitchen. Like you're used to the temperature. A normal person comes in and like, holy shit, it's hot back here. Like I I guess. I mean, it just seems like that's the way that it is. Sure. Mm -hmm. It's always been since I was 15 years old. Like you get used to it. But a lot of that kind of stuff is just like, more experience in your body. I think more, more or less getting used to condition to like, yeah, I'm going to be hot all the time. Yeah. I'm going to splash grease on my hand. Like it, you just kind of get used to that sure. stuff. But when you're just starting out, when that happens, like it, it's like something that's never happened to you, but grabbing a, a 350 degree pan with your bare hand, Ugh. if that's never happened to you before, it's it fucking hurts. Oh yeah. it does. It, it, it really sucks. <laughs> and you, sometimes you can lose sight of that as like, and old, I would say like, I got skin like a rhino. Like I'll, I'll like nick my finger and then it's healed the next day. Like heal like Wolverine, like no big deal. It's fine. <laughs> um, but you know, the young, younger people I know, like just be careful, man. Sure. It's hot. There's hot stuff. There's sharp stuff. Like, but that's also the cool part. Yeah. Everybody yeah. likes playing with knives. Oh yeah. Everyone likes playing with fire. And it's that's funny. What a lot of people draw people into being cooks. You, yeah. you
2: bring that up. And, uh, one of the things that my buddy will always tells me, Um, when it comes to hunting and fishing and you know the people that are way way down the rabbit hole yeah the people that love it a lot and want to be really successful get comfortable with being uncomfortable and dealing with trials and tribulations the elements you name it and uh, it's funny you bring that up because you have so many stupid things that you do as a hunter as a fisherman you know how many times have you guys removed hooks oh my God. from each other, which is like terrible, terrible pain. Um,
0: We've done it enough to where we now have a piece of fishing line in our wallets to where you just like, okay, loop it over your finger and look, look the other way. And one, two, whack, yep. pull it out before Bite anybody even says anything. Pull on to yeah.
2: so he doesn't know, <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, so many things, <clears throat> excuse me, happen uh, in the woods and, and and all that, um, we had God. We had one of our team members. Um, he was climbing when we were hunting public land. And I don't know if you've ever seen a climbing stand, but there's two parts: a bottom platform and a top mm-hmm. that you sit in. You move the top up, then you sit on it, and then you pull your legs up, okay. and then you just shimmy up a gotcha. tree, right? Well, as we are all. Griping at each other, making sure we're all safe. Somehow, just made a stupid mistake and didn't put on a safety harness. Didn't didn't connect to the tree.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, I got you.
2: Just the bottom just dropped out, and he falls. I think he said he fell like 10 feet or something like that. Now, the way he fell, if it had been myself... This guy's in really amazing shape, especially for a gentleman that's, I think he's 43. Yeah. Um, he fell like, let's just pretend his left leg kind of like went over the edge and he kind of went like that and then was able to pull himself up in a sit up position, which I, I would never, I would still be hanging there, (laughs) you know? And so, and, and he's just got some bruising, but, uh, just so many stupid things that happen. And, um, you know, it's just kind of funny to hear another uh, person talk. You know, you're a professional. I guess I don't really consider myself that. But, um, you know, you spend a lot of time doing stuff like that. And there's a lot of parts to that that are not as appealing right. when you talk about them.
0: But But when you talk about it, like it's gonna happen yep oh, yeah. like like th- the- these these are normal things yeah. that happen on the job and one of the things like i look to this my kid grabbed that curling iron awesome like mm. <laughs> right at the start of like the wonderful quarantine two months ago Great. and we like he's just like yep it's burned and right. and, and, and like you like I think that that's kind of the point that you get to if you work a lot in a kitchen or if you do that kind of stuff. I worked in a steakhouse for two years and it was, oh, oh. Don't have hair on my arm right. now because I, you know, had a grease fire. Or Day something one of like smoking
3: that. for me. <laughs> right. well, I watched a how-to video from one of Aaron Franklin's yeah. when I was going to do the brisket for the first time, right. and uh, you know he's going through step by step how to trim it, how to season it, and get it on the smoker, build the fire. And at the end, he reaches in and just pulls it off with his bare hand. <laughs> well, with his bare hand, yeah. and then I'm looking at him like what just yeah. happened? And I'm like, shouldn't that be like 200 <laughs> degrees? And yeah, then it is. he, he, yeah, he throws out the disclaimer. Like, yeah, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I don't have any feeling in right. my fingers anymore. From well, it's doing like this when so you go long,
2: to the so. Mexican restaurant and they walk up holding the plate yeah. and what do they say? This is a hot plate. Yeah. And you're like, well, it can't be that hot. And then you touch it. You touch it. And then I'm like, Oh, yeah, it, it is, is very hot. hot.
0: Right. Uh-oh. Don't worry about it, Chris. Mic. Just hit his mic. All right, there we Sorry go. Sorry
2: about that, everybody. All right,
0: so yeah, I mean, kitchen injuries are you know part part of the deal, and and if you and if you don't think they're part of the deal, you know, I, I don't I don't know what you're right. kind of trying to get into. So we've covered I mean, we covered a lot, but um, expansion stuff. You know, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Yeah.
1: Um, when are you, you going to get the dining room? <laughs> right. Got to get that out of the, way. The, the question always. Um, so I,
0: I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think for us, as far as there ever being another pickles and bones, that's a definite, definite no. Um, we're not going to franchise. We're not going to turn into, um, have 20 pickles and bones around the country or, or around the city or anything else. Mm-hmm. Not that there's. Mm-hmm. Anything wrong with that, but we're just happy doing what we do. And what we do is, is hard. It's very hard. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of attention to detail that goes into it and it's hard to replicate. And, um, we're happy doing that. We want to expand. We want to do other restaurants. Um, you know, we talked a little earlier about the biscuit pop up. Mm -hmm. Um, we would definitely like the biscuit pop up to turn into, um, something more permanent in some capacity. I um, like what I'm hearing. Yeah. Whether it's at Pickles and Bones or whether it's another place. You know, we talked about expanding into a dining room next door. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that could still be on the table. But for right now, doesn't really seem like the great time yeah. to, for, for restaurants to be adding <laughs> dining room space. You, you have to I be, be in so, –
2: I mean, you're you're one of the few restaurants uh, where, you know, you, did, you didn't have that issue, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm so happy about yeah. that because that – that has wrecked people. And yeah, I yeah, just obviously. thought, well, shit, it's business as usual for him. Yeah,
1: for us, you know, for anybody that, that's never been, you know, we're carry out only, carry out and catering only. So, and we do always ever have been. We've never had any indoor seating. We have three picnic tables outside that are appropriately distanced apart. For Good deal. Listening, <laughs> any, there are any undercover agents listening to this <laughs> podcast. Um, but when you have three picnic tables outside, we've always had picnic tables. That was it. We've, and we were lucky enough to be kind of set up for this. Um, and, and I'll be honest, in the beginning with this, this, uh, the the quarantine or whatever, I had a bit of uh, survivor's guilt that that we were doing okay. And I know that there's tours around the country and restaurants that are going out of business. And we talked earlier, like, it's going to be even worse. Mm-hmm. We're just scratching mm-hmm. the surface on what's ultimately going to come. And that... It's terrible. It's terrible, man. Like it's not, I'm not, I'm happy to be busy. I'm happy to be doing the business has, has stayed right. even We haven't had, we've actually hired somebody since then. Um, you know, and we're still always looking for good people, but I see people across the country that have devoted their life to building businesses, not just restaurants, all mm-hmm. different kinds of businesses. Mm-hmm. And I know we all know that they're inevitably going to go, away and it's heartbreaking man so
0: so you you bring up a good point though about pop-ups
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I, I, f- I follow a lot of different chefs yep. a lot of different stuff on social media and all that kind of stuff and a lot of them do that mm-hmm. where they will do just singular pop-ups like it's a weekend or yep. it's a you know a month-long period they'll like run out of a uh, run out of space yep. and like that will be it. Like, what's, from from a culinary perspective, you know, tell me kind of a little bit more about, like, the pop-up idea and, and that kind of stuff. Because, for one, to me, it, it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, you're getting something so good in a short period of time, and then it's like people go crazy for the McRib, yeah. and then like right. it's, it's gone. Yeah. Um, but, like, there's so many cool things that chefs come up with In those short little areas of time that are so, so good. So I'd I'd love to hear more about the biscuit pop-up especially.
1: Yeah, I think for pop-ups, you know, it's really a way to test your concept of whatever you want to do. And it's also a way to break uh, the monotony. Because as fun as it is to smoke meat and make pickles and bones um, as challenging as it is already to make it consistent every single day, as a chef, it's fun um, to do something different. And for us, we're always, our idea is always like, we want to do different concepts, but they're going to be different. So mm-hmm, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's going to be, and it may have our, the pickles and bones kind of stamped to it with the brisket, maybe be involved, or we'll make our own bacon that'll go with it. Um, but we're going to make it all of ourselves, and whatever we want to do, we just want it to be the best version of whatever it is. So when we think that we're at a point where we're making the best biscuit that we can make. Then we, then we roll it out for a pop-up and try it and see what people think. And I think chefs, maybe that's their philosophy. Mm -hmm. Maybe some other people are just like, Hey, we're just going to throw some shit out there and see what sticks. Like, let's give it a shot. And I think either way is cool. Like, cause you can, you can get ultimately end up until you put food out there for a customer to try and get feedback and see the operations people. Oftentimes they diagram it up. Here's how we're going to do it on Sunday morning. And it's the whole Mike Tyson thing. Like everybody's got a so plan, plan to get, to get punched, punched in the, in the mouth. face. Yeah. It's the truth. Cause <laughs> you is? can have the perfect plan. And then the door opens the first, we were talking earlier, the door opened at nine o'clock <laughs> and there's 20 people in line. The first person orders 10 biscuits and we had 20 ready total. I was like, wow, well, we're in, we're, we're in deep right now already, <laughs> but you don't know. Right. You don't know. It's much easier to, I would rather do, we would rather do that and figure it out than to sit around and be like, well, we should have done that. Mm -hmm. 20 years ago we should have tried it see what happened the same thing that happened with the trailer we were like let's try it eventually we're gonna do our own thing let's try it what's the worst that can happen i stay at my job i go back and get a job being a chef like what's the worst thing that can happen for for pop-ups if you've already got a place um you've already got that some sense of a safety net of like you have a business already you're trying something new if you don't and it's a great play way for a young for a young chef who's got an idea Mm -hmm. Maybe they come into a place like Pickles and Bones and say, hey, they're taking over Sunday, Monday night this week and doing a little pop-up to see what people think about their idea. The restaurant industry is extremely costly to get into. Yeah. Such high overhead and such small margins that it we've gotten to a point, maybe not so much in Cincinnati, but which is great, but bigger cities that younger, younger chefs can't even get into it. No. It's impossible. They're priced out before they even get a chance. And the one positive we think that will come from some of this negative that within this quarantine where we have restaurants that are going to fail and there's going to be restaurants that fail that none of us want to see fail, right? There's going to be restaurants fail that have been on the brink of failing for a long time, but it's going to, it's going to hopefully reset some of this and it's going to give some younger people an opportunity to come in and rent some of these places and bring something new. That's even better. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, I'm not saying I'm not being negative and saying I'm, I don't want anybody to fail, but it's, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I think, I
1: think it's going to be a reset too, because I think that as an industry and nobody wants to say this, and I think it's ridiculous, but we've gotten fat and happy and there's a lot of mediocre stuff out there because people are like, people are like, oh, well, everybody's going out and everybody's trying this. And I, I get most frustrated when we go out and I taste and see a lack of effort. Mm hmm there, if there's so many options out there, why is everybody not striving to be better? Right. And I hope that this reset is going to make people, I'm not saying work, I'm not saying everybody's got to work 24 hours a day. That's not what I'm saying, but everybody can do a little bit better job. I think.
0: Well, I, I, and you and I've talked about this, Chris, like that, that, that's a huge thing. Like you put in the effort you're going to do better mm-hmm. and like just be better at what your particular thing be med- is.
1: I don't understand why anybody would want to get up to be mediocre. It, it, no it, exactly. Why would you get up in the morning to go and accomplish medi- mediocrity?
0: Like you want to go in and you want to say like this, this is the best thing that I can put out there. This is there. the best we can do. This is the best we can do. And this is all that, you know, I'm putting my effort into, okay. you know, th- there's, there's plenty of restaurants, you know, here and elsewhere that you can go to. And like they're good, they're good restaurants. Like, don't get me wrong. If I go somewhere and I ask a local or if I ask somebody like, give, give, give me the best place. And they're going to give you a place that is not, you know, a chain. They're going to give you a place that's not like multiple places. They're going to, they're going to say like, go here, you know. Make sure you're there early because right. when the food's out, the food's <laughs> out. out. That's it. Yeah. Um, or you know they make they you know if you go to you know Italian or Chinese, they hand make all the noodles right. or, or anything along those lines. You know it, it's it's one of those things that you want to strive for quality because as, as much as we are creatures of habit, we all really like great great things
2: absolutely and i i also want to spin off what he said talking about people being afraid to say things um don't be afraid to call people out on their quality uh i'm not going to mention the name of this restaurant
0: they're not open anymore
2: they're not open anymore somebody was right um i hope aaron listens to this so um (laughs) just for a laugh but um Uh, I'll talk about the place with you after we we go off air or whatever. Stop recording. Um, But I I went there, and this was such a highly touted restaurant, and the owner talked about how great it it was at our table and the waitress, and they've got Best Dish of Cincinnati or something. And I'm like, well, damn, this is going to change my life. I was so – I've never been pissed off at a restaurant, other than like if somebody, like I had a uh, a lady spill spaghetti sauce, she dropped a spoon on me mm-hmm. and just got spaghetti all over my new shirt. And I'm like, well, that <laughs> sucks. And she right. didn't, she like, she didn't even apologize or anything. That was mm-hmm. the crappy part. Mistakes are made. I get that. So, but uh, I, I don't ever remember being pissed about leaving a restaurant that wasn't like a steak and shake at 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, until then. And I, I was just like. Heartbroken that that could even happen at a nicer place. So uh, I think pe- holding people accountable is is kind of important too. Uh, being in the um, you know the time that that we're in, you know, and and, and it is kind of cool to hear you talk about that. How there could be some new and interesting things that that come along that we might not even know about yet. Yeah. So kind of neat.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So,
2: so let's talk. Um, Let's talk a little bit. Uh, Everybody obviously knows that we're in this weird time. We had this COVID stuff and, you know, everybody has their stance on this quarantine and the mask wearing and the COVID and, you know, all that. And, you know, just to preface this, everybody calm down. Um, But I want to ask Josh, when, when you guys are putting these masks on, um, can, can you explain why you're wearing that mask? Cause I think I, I see a lot of people that are sort of shaming people that wear masks in the businesses, people that are wearing masks in stores and all that. And, uh, I just, I want a restaurant owner's take on this whole mask thing and re- really the situation in general, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah. I mean, for us, obviously, um, We've been lucky to be able to be set up to handle it. Um, I think that the whole thing has been quite confusing on how information has been, has been relayed to us as business owners. Sure. And most recently, um, within the last few weeks, we've just got some more, what I would consider more concrete direction. And that's like direction as far as like, look, if you need to wear masks, um, the health, it's mandated, it, the health inspector will be looking. They're talking now about undercover people going out and checking on places, having masks on. Um. Now, that being said, with if you've got individual workstations that are so far apart, people can't have, you know, people don't wear masks, but the expectation is if people are working right next to each other, obviously anybody working with guests um, out in the front, have masks on. I can tell you that wearing a mask in a kitchen when it's already a hundred degrees is an uncomfortable, um, situation. There's not, and it's not even just a mask. It's just kind of like have a face covering. So it could be a bandana. It could be a mask. It could be, uh, all I can speak on really about this is that I promise you, if you go to quality restaurants that you, the, the people care they are cleaner than any place that you've ever been before. Agreed. Mm-hmm. We put more time and effort in and always have. And anyone that cares, especially a small business owner who knows how all it takes is for one person to have a bad experience, whether mm-hmm. that's a bad experience from a cleanliness and sanitation or a bad meal, we pay attention to everything. We we clean everything. We sanitize everything. If you go to a restaurant, I I, one, one telltale sign I can always recommend is if you go to a restaurant, go pop in the bathroom and take a look. Yep. If the bathroom's not clean, I would advise you should probably let because that just means to me that there's a lack of attention to detail. Now, if there's a couple paper towels sitting on the counter, that's one thing. But if it's apparent that the bathroom hasn't been clean and isn't getting cleaned regularly, mm-hmm. guess what? New COVID-19 guidelines aren't going to change any of that stuff. So if you felt sketched out before about a place that you were going <laughs> and you were like, eh, I'm not really sure. Um, but I can promise you that any of your places, you know, uh, Paul and I from the governor, we had this conversation recently. Like we we take such great attention to detail for everything. All we want is everybody to be safe. man. Sure. Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. We, we preach and have been from the beginning. You cough in your elbow. That's something you learn when you work in a kitchen from the beginning. Yeah. You wash your hands always. I think that some of the information has been a, very, a big challenge for a business owner to try to navigate. But for us, we do, we are following whatever's mandated to us, which is for employees to wear masks and we wash our hands regularly. We sanitize regularly. The people in the front of the house, if they're not taking orders, they're sanitizing the door handles. They're cleaning the computer screens off, you know, high touch areas where people are going to go. Sure. But I think everybody that's out there, you know, I, I, I'm not, all I know about is cooking food. That's it. But I also know how to be a good human being and how to be respectful of other people. I know how to be respectful of their space. So we, I didn't, we didn't cough on anybody before with intention. <laughs> and I know that that's something now that we're, we're focusing on, but like, I think that there's a certain level where we can be adults with each other. We can still function like human beings and be respectful of people that may have, underlying issues, mm-hmm. but as a business owner, we follow what is directed to us to always make sure that we are compliant with whatever new rules and regulations are. There's some new, um, safety training that all of our employees have done videos supplied through serve safe, um, which is a, like a, a, organization that does like a, an, an overall, um, sanitation course that, the um, the person in charge is required to do in all, in all restaurants. So yeah, They and they provided some new safety stuff, and all of our employees have done that. So, um, most recently, I think that the health department has done a better job of providing some more concrete direction for everybody to be able to follow. So,
2: okay, deal, good deal, good answer. (laughs) What else
1: you got, Rick?
0: Um, Lean meats. Mm -hmm. I know you mentioned earlier about like threading stuff in, Mm -hmm. kind of the French technique of that kind of stuff. Is there like if you give like one like key thing, and I have a I have a second question that I want to ask too. Okay, if you could if you could give one key thing in terms of smoking a lean meat, mm-hmm. what would you what would you kind of impart upon somebody?
1: I would say, whatever it is, don't overcook. Don't 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 overcook it. <laughs> don't go high heat. Um, low and slow is better. Go low and slow, definitely for for sure. Just because I think there. Probably stay out of the middle. Either go like super hot and fast and get it over with. um, or low and slow, but don't Mm -hmm. sit in that don't sit in that middle range because there's not any fat to render anyway. It's not like cooking a brisket that needs a lot of time because you gotta render you gotta render all the fat. Like on the lean meat there's nothing there. So either hot like that's why on a lean meat I would either grill it hot and fast, or if I was gonna smoke it, I'd go super low and slow and really just trying to get that getting the smoke flavor. And then just don't overcook it, man. Whatever you do. Like okay. At the end of the day, that's the best advice I can give on that.
0: Good deal. And then as far as like, you know, we've talked about your culinary background. We've talked about, you know, working in the fine dining world. We've talked about owning your own business. What, if any, are kind of the people that you look to in terms of like chefs and that kind of stuff? You know, obviously... You know, one of the things that's exploded over the past 15 years is, you know, you have Food Network, you have Cooking Channel, you Mm -hmm. have all these different things. You have all these celebrity chefs and that kind of stuff. Is there anyone that you could say to somebody like you'd point to and say, look, you know, we've talked about Aaron Franklin, I think, three different times about brisket here. Like if someone said, how are you going to cook a brisket? I'm like, go on YouTube and look at Aaron Franklin. Uh like who would you point somebody to in terms of like, if they don't have that kind of older person that we've talked about, like with pickling or canning or that kind of stuff to go to who's somebody that you would point to and say, go and kind of check out their stuff and they might have a good idea in terms of how to do some different things. And I realize that when I say that it's a very loaded question because if you want French techniques or you know, certain techniques or whatever, there's lots of different people, but you know, in terms of your kind of thought process, who would you point someone to?
1: Hmm. If barbecue, I definitely would say Aaron Franklin. Okay. Like the, the videos are, his videos are all awesome. Like there's, I mean, it's a step-by-step. It, the guy's given out all of his information. Here's Mm -hmm. the thing. Aaron Franklin can give you all of this information and show you exactly how to do it. You still can't make it like Aaron Franklin. Exactly. You You don't have, you don't have the same, but you don't have the same. The variables are different. You don't have the same, right. You don't have the same, the same climate. You don't have the same quality beef. You don't have the same smoker. So he can give you all that stuff and it's great direction, but it's not, he's not giving you the secret to, you're not going to start your own barbecue business. Uh, tomorrow and take over and be like, well, this is better than Aaron Franklin. Because the only way you can make it <laughs> is to screw it up a bunch of times. Right. The only way to figure out how to make a barbecue is to make a bunch of bad barbecue in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's well, I'm on my like, way. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's really, I always tell people that, like, oh, how did you do this? I'm like, well, we screwed it up a bunch. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, it's what we talked earlier about, like, keeping track of what you're doing because you'll never know. Um, as far as just, like, general general stuff um it's kind of a it's kind of a hard one for me i guess because um, i have like people that most of the people that i look toward now and listen to 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 learn more about like food stuff is people outside of food because i kind of have my own ideas about this stuff right so you so like for for people in uh, the culinary world like maybe like we look at like artists or musicians or something like that. Cause kind of mm-hmm. sees like, Oh, that person's kind of reinventing themselves or changing their career a little bit. As far as like a, a book or anything I would recommend to go to, like any of the old classics, like joy of cooking, stuff like that is mm-hmm. going to give you like great, like foundation recipes, like and don't try to overcomplicate it. Like just make it simple. Yeah. It's better anyway. Like a great, a great chicken, a great quality chicken. It's, Roasted with salt and pepper on it, and butter underneath under under the skin, and some lemon squeeze on it, you, it's hard to beat. Yeah, like parsimony, just yeah. keep, keep it simple. Keep celery. it simple, and, and yeah. get good ingredients. Like spend the extra two bucks on the high quality chicken; it'll be it's well worth it. Like yeah, the, the quality, the quality in the beginning makes all the difference. I can't say like, I'd be lying if I said there was like a cookbook or anything that I right. really went to. Now, back when I was younger, it was like the French Laundry cookbook because it was like again focused on fine dining. I think probably people my age and my, like, worked fine dining and around that kind of time period, probably the French Laundry Cookbook is the most... Because it was the first big, like, coffee table style book from a chef that we all knew. And I was like, oh, my gosh, people are making cookbooks now? (laughs) And then, like, the pages were just, like, it demystified everything that you had heard about. Mm -hmm. this is, like, for us, it was, like, early internet time. You know, that book's probably... 18 years I'd old i say now.
0: it's close to 20 years old yeah now.
1: so if at that point that probably has influenced more now now probably doesn't really look at that now I, now I look at it more just for f- books just for fun yeah not much for like pulling recipes or anything like that but barbecue you can't go wrong with Aaron Franklin
0: good deal good deal
1: uh,
3: I think that's the beauty, too, of cooking is you don't have to follow a recipe to the tea to still get good food. If you don't like onions, then leave the onions out, you know, and you can build upon another recipe. I've got a great chili recipe that I started. It was like all recipes or something, but yep, then right. I added a little bit more of this and added like doubled the amount of peppers. Cause I like spicy, but right they're It's a Yeah. It, yeah. I, like, okay, this is going to get me somewhere close. It can help you for sure. And then yeah. now mm-hmm. I built, you know, and like you said, I yep. screwed it. Well, I didn't screw it up. I did it like to the recipe the first time and was like, this is not nearly high right. enough. And then added a little more right. and, and a little more and built upon this and pulled this out. And I didn't have this available, but that's, I think the cool part about it is you can do whatever you want.
1: Yeah. So. Absolutely, man.
2: Agreed. Well, good deal. Anybody got anything else? You, you got any questions,
1: Josh? No, I don't think so, man. I just, okay. thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Anytime.
2: This has
0: been awesome, man. Yeah. Like, I, I've, I've enjoyed this. I mean, we're, you know, close to two hours right now, Yeah. but, if you're listening to the end of this right now, this will be part two of the of the yeah. of the podcast. Right. And
2: this is after sharing chicken wings and talking for about an hour. Yeah, about right. a bunch of this stuff. We really could have done three. Some
0: great, some great smoked chicken wings. By oh,
1: the way, oh man, they're, they're great. <laughs> Thank you. They Chris work. is well on his way. They, were, they
2: were very <laughs> good, uh, uh, Can we expect any smoked chicken wings ever? From maybe a pop up or something? Pro- so so we,
1: we this is a this is like one of the questions we get all the time. And so those chicken wings were great. Thank you. Because you smoked them, and then they went in the oven, and they came out, and they were nice and hot. Yeah. But that's the only way that they're good. Agreed. Because when then they sit, as soon correct. as they cool. So for us, like my favorite way to have smoked chicken wings, my favorite smoked chicken wings are from Home Team Barbecue in Charleston. Love them. And awesome. I gotta go to this place. So <laughs> my favorite way to do them, and I think the, the best way to do them is smoke them, cool them down, and then you gotta fry them. So oh, we don't man. have a oh, phone, I love them. So we don't have a fryer. So. Without a fryer, you'll never see any smoked chicken wings come out of pickles and bones.
2: So when you're talking about frying them, so you're gonna smoke them, cool them. Yep. Are you gonna coat them in anything before you fry them, or just pop them in? No.
1: Them in. Afterwards, season them when they come right when they come out of the fryer.
2: But you're not gonna coat them in anything or season no, them when they no go breading the, or nothing. Nope. nope. Season them
1: when they go on oh, the smoker. Dude. Season them when they go on the smoker. When they let them out, when they come off, let them cool, and then just go back in the fryer because you're just gonna crisp up this crisp the skin up. And then heat them through, and then hit them with some some barbecue seasoning, whatever, whatever you like, right when they come out of the. As soon as they come out of the fryer, they got to be seasoned as soon as they come out, just We're like on. French fries. I gotta, you gotta season them as soon as they come out. Yes. But just like French fries, if I you came and picked up a dozen chicken wings from me, and you drove 25 minutes back to here, they They're not, not going to be. It's not going to be what I want you to have. So this kind of ties in. It's the same thing. This if we can't do the easier. best version of it, yeah. then we don't want to do it.
2: That kind of reminds me what you're talking about with yep. like the. Um, no, uh, he made a post a little while talking about like the companies that you get on an app and
1: uh, order food. I, I what they it. call that? We have oh, Uber d- Eats, Uber and delivery, eats ser- and all that. delivery services. We have another podcast for that. Well, I, I, I
2: will say I definitely want to get together again. Oh, um, Absolutely. I'd I'd like to dive into some more in depth things, especially once I learn a little more sure. and pester you a little bit about it. Um, and uh, I would really like it if maybe we could coax you into maybe joining us for some fishing or hunting oh, or yeah, something man. like that, that sometimes. So I've never been and hunting; then, I've
1: always wanted to go. And, and, so and then we'll we can cook, make that happen. Yeah,
2: we'll cook. What we kill, catch, whatever—I I think that it'd be great. awesome. So I'd love to do that. Well, Good deal. Well, thank you for coming on. Yeah,
3: man. thank we you really guys really for having it. me. Appreciate and it. And I'd like to say, everybody that's within like a two-hour drive of Cincinnati, get on Facebook, like Pickles and Bones page. They post up usually almost weekly about specials that they'll have uh. until they're sold out. And I think like three of the best sandwiches I've ever had have been like the the. The, the barbecued is my favorite sandwich. <laughs> oh of yeah, time. it is phenomenal. And then the the pig mac is delicious. What was
2: the burger we had? Uh,
1: that it's was, a double brisket. Yeah, the double, double brisket. brisket yes. burger yes. ground brisket. Oh my god. They, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> they only
2: have
3: these. They're not everyday menu items. So follow. They'll post up when yep. they have them. Usually you got to get there that day. Sometimes they have enough for. We've a been trying days, to do them.
1: We've been trying to do specials uh, weekly, um, but with recently they've been only gone for a couple days but we were but we're starting to kind of get to the the right sweet spot now so i would imagine this whole week we'll have um well this is going to air later i'm sure but next monday okay so you got y'all missed out because this week we're gonna be having house made smoked brisket bologna i I will not be missing (laughs) out Um, that, that said, just
2: just to kind of give everybody a little uh, information as well, these guys at Pickles and Bones, um, Josh and his wife do a lot of community stuff. They uh, Recently, you guys were feeding some of the kids that didn't have meals that were home from school. Yeah. You've worked with Welcome House before of northern Kentucky to feed mm. the homeless. Uh, they, they do all kinds of charitable things. Like them on Facebook. You got Instagram? Oh, yeah. Follow them on Instagram and uh, go in there and try some food. And I can promise you that regardless of who you like or, you know, who you follow or whatever, you go in there and try some food. You're going to go back.
1: What are your hours? Uh, Tuesday through Saturday, 11 to 7 or until sold out. So uh, typically brisket's the first thing to go if we sell out. Uh, But most of the days we make it till 7. Very rarely do we sell out of everything now that we're inside. And, uh, We're at 1149 uh, State Route 131, Milford, Ohio, and our phone number is 513-317-2214, picklesandbones.com. You can call us ahead of time, place an order, come in and pick it up. You can come in, place the counter, pick it up, or bring it out to your car, uh, whatever works. We do not deliver, and we are not uh, on any of the third-party delivery sites, Um, but give us a call. We'll have your food ready whenever you show up
2: all right
0: sounds good thanks again thank
1: you guys appreciate it
0: no problem all right guys this has been fueled by the outdoors we're your hosts rick cates and chris leppard and we want to thank you guys for joining us again and we'll look forward to talking to you all next time bye see you And that will do it for this episode of fueled by the outdoors you can reach us at theeliteoutdoors1@gmail.com. elite one at gmail.com that is the elite outdoors, the number one at gmail.com as always please subscribe to the podcast also give us a five-star review like share on any of the major podcasting platforms helps us get out there a little bit more and as always uh, happy hunting and tight lines guys bye